Blog Talk Radio. Black Politics Today. An eye for what's at stake in global politics and your source for the social, economic, and political impact of public policy on the African American community. Your host, Kelly Michael Williams, is a political strategy veteran with an undefeated campaign record and the political experience that spans nearly three decades from Mayor Willie Brown in California to President Barack Obama in our nation's capital. So get ready for a fresh and honest approach on the politics that affect you and your family the most. Now, your host, Kelly Michael Williams. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Kelly Michael Williams. I want to thank you for joining us tonight because tonight it's about us. And before I get started tonight, as I do with every show, I like to pause and thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for just allowing me to host this show, for allowing me to uh, come on here each and every week and and share uh, what I feel are the are the issues and concerns that are affecting our community and our lives and our community every day. I just want to thank God for the blessings of health, the blessings of family, and the favor of provision, because I truly thank him for just allowing me to be here each and every week uh, to open up this platform and reach out across America and talk to people about the things that are affecting them that I also know that are affecting us in our communities across this country. Uh, but also just the idea of realizing that there's always something at stake for us. And what we have to recognize is that whatever is at stake for us, we have to be able to identify that for our family, for our future, and for our children. Uh, but tonight, it's about us. Why, you ask? Because our lives depend on it. Tonight, we take a look at what's at stake for us. As we walk this journey called life in the 21st century in the year 2019, what are the major aspects of our lives, of your life, and in society that we need to be most vigilant about, making sure that we are educated, enlightened, and empowered to defend? I would submit to you that it is our social, our economic, and our political future. Because if left unprotected, if left unsecure, if left in the hands of those who have, whom have always dictated the process and the outcomes for us, then we will be left to recycle a century of what ifs, how abouts, and maybes. And ultimately, 
that ultimately leave us and have left us in segregated communities with little or no services, subpar public educational institutions, high rates of poverty and unemployment, bias and racially charged judicial encounters, making us no better off today than we were when we were black folks living under the Jim Crow laws. Because in 2040, and somewhat, some people say 20 years, some people say less than that, the United States of America will be a majority black country or black and brown, if, as most people say. And if that is the case, what's at stake for us? And how are we going to respond to it? Tonight, when we ask that question, my first guest can answer that question personally. She can defend the question in its most starkest terms. She can bring the answer to that question to life. And she can make something so abstract as what's at stake become so real. Why is she able to do that? Because for the past four and a half years, in a matter of two seconds, what's at stake became a reality for her. My guest tonight is Samaria Rice, the mother of Tamir Rice, the 12-year-old boy who was tragically and viciously murdered by Cleveland police officer Timothy Lowen, making tonight's broadcast a clarion call to our community, the Black community, for action. Welcome to the show, Ms. Rice. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me and thinking of us. I want to thank you for accepting my call and being willing to open yourself up to uh, tonight. I mean, under, under, you know, the circumstances, uh, opening up wounds that probably still haven't been healed. And and so I am pleased that you accepted uh, our invitation. And I want to provide you from uh, my heart to, to, and my listeners, our sincere condolences to you and your loss. And I think that I can speak for our audience that Tamir became a part of our entire families as we saw the tragedy uh, broadcast on our TV screens every night. And our prayers are with you. So I want to thank you for being strong. I want to thank you for being vigilant. And I want to thank you for continuing to fight and not to sit down, sit back and let things just pass by and roll over. Because quite honestly, uh, I'm looking uh, to support you in every way I can uh, with this broadcast and others to make sure that Timothy Lohman does not get rehired if there's anything possibly we can do about it. So let me start right there yeah. with, with that. Okay. Um, what, uh, when, when you were, you know, when you found out that uh, the, 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 the union was going to rehire him or was in the process of rehiring, what were your thoughts? What went through your mind at that time? Um, I was just furious, and um, honestly, I just couldn't believe it because I had just um, did a small campaign um, against him when he tried to go to Bel Air, Ohio, and he was trying to be a police officer in Bel Air, Ohio. Is a sub, uh, it's like on the outskirts of Cleveland. It could be like 30, 40 minutes away from Cleveland, and um. I just say he's not going to be a police officer nowhere in the state of Ohio as long as I'm living. So my team uh, quickly, we put together a letter. It wasn't a petition. It was a letter, and the letter went viral. Um, the Blair, the, I'm sorry, the Bel Air Police Department had phone calls flooding in to the chief, to the chief phone and to the mayor's office down there in Bel Air, Ohio. And I just couldn't believe that um, – Jeff Farmer of the CPPA, the president of the police union, was assisting Timothy Lohman with the appeal process, um, the appeal process to try to be a police officer again because the arbitration turned him down. So now the appeal process is um, residing over a common pleas judge. So we're just waiting to hear from the judge now. Now, the 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 travesty in one hand of, of your case was that Timothy Loman wasn't fired for shooting and killing your son, but for lying on his mm-hmm. application because he didn't yes. re, um, uh, reveal that he had really been fired from his previous employer, but they somehow allowed him to resign on paper, uh, but mm-hmm. he didn't put that information in there. 
And so now you have the police union president assisting him after lying and killing a child to get back on the same Mm -hmm. police force. Absolutely. They never reviewed his HR report when he um, left Independence and magically appeared in Cleveland. So after my son was murdered, he had been on the Cleveland police force for like six months and then Tamir was murdered. So they never reviewed his HR report until after, um, you know, after he uh, murdered Tamir and then they found out how horrible a police officer he was from the comments that was made from independence, the, um, the chief, the supervisor over there, and, um, you know, many other people as well. So it was just surprisingly that he was a, a police officer. And we all know um, sometimes when um, officers or, you know, law enforcement, law enforcement, they kind of know each other, they kind of scratch each other back, come to find out, Timothy Loma's father was a U.S. Marshal, and him and Chief Calvin Williams of the police of the Cleveland Police Department were friends. So that's how he was able to slide through the cracks, and uh, no one knew anything because Chief of Police Cleveland Chief of Police Calvin Williams and Timothy Loma's father were friends, and um, so that's how he even became to be on a on a um, Cleveland Police Force. Because of scratching your back and I scratch yours, so and now I have a dead son. So you know that was uh, definitely a poor move on the chief of police, Chief Calvin Williams. And um, you know to this day, you know no one, um, chief or the mayor in Cleveland does not support me. You know they want to keep Tamir as a local issue. Tamir is a nationwide issue, and I just been constantly fighting. Um, for police reform, and I, I I did read about the father, uh, you know, lending his his uh, uh, I guess his credibility to his son's hiring. What has happened mm-hmm. in, there in the community with the chief and the mayor, and any pressure on the mayor to remove chief the chief uh, for this hire, and even ultimately considering this rehire. Well, I don't really um, know the mayor's position as far as with the chief of police. Um, To me, they seem like they're really good friends, so I'm not for sure if anything will be resolved in that situation. Um, But as far as Timothy Lowman, I don't believe the chief has any type of say-so. I was talking to uh, one of my attorney friends, and they said that uh, the chief of police, he doesn't have anything to do with the arbitration process. It's kind of out of his hands. But I don't really think it's out of his hands because he could make a recommendation and say, hey, we don't want him back on our police force. He Absolutely. Hasn't even done that and much. and you know, so can the mayor. He hasn't done that much publicly, you know. And like I said, he hasn't even done that much publicly. Or the mayor say. The mayor could have said, hey, we don't want him back in our community. They have not said that publicly. So at this point, I don't know what they're thinking, but they haven't supported me on anything that concerns Tamir in the city of Cleveland. So That's um, interesting. That's that's, that's like tragically, but that's interesting. So what was their rationale for even allowing him to even go through arbitration? What was um, uh, Jeff? Because uh, um, because he's, um, I guess, since he um, just got terminated, and I guess he paid his, um, I guess, you know, all officers, um, they pay some type of dues to the to the union. Right, their union dues, so the right. Union, yeah, the union dues. I guess he, I, I don't know if he's been paying them or not, but um, so, um, Jeff Farmer felt it was his responsibility to assist him with this appeal process, like I said. So, I don't really know, you know, again, what the process is for all of that. But um, he felt that it was a need to, like I said, assess him with this appeal process that we're waiting to hear um, from a common pleas judge in um, Cuyahoga County, Cleveland, Ohio. So I don't really know. I don't don't know his motive. You're right. Cuyahoga County has uh, some history 
uh, long history yes, uh, of of racial bias and racial force. tension, mm-hmm. and using excessive using force. Excessive force. Mm-hmm. Racial right. bias, tension. I don't really know what that's all about um, because me and my children, we were watching, um, and including Samir, we were just watching the Michael Brown and the um, Eric Gardner um, case going on, and then I look up and it's me. So I'm not for sure, you know, why, you know, why, why it played out like that, honestly, truthfully. Um, but right. I did not get the support from the politicians like I thought I would as far as the mayor and the chief of police. I did not get that support. I don't really know what the modem the motive is. I just know Cleveland dynamics is very oppressed. We have a lot of um supposedly leaders up here that's misleading the community. We have a lot of the clergy that's misleading the community. They are not supporting the community like they need to be supported. It's more of it's oppressed, and we just, you know, we going to give y'all what y'all need, so we, you know, we going to give this and give that, and no one talks about the political aspect of what's going on in Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio That's... is predominantly black, and I can't understand why there's no uprise up here. A lot of my support comes from out of and then I do have some people in Cleveland that does support me and does believe in me, but I just don't understand why I don't have all of Cleveland supporting me. And then even with the petitions, I had some people sign on, and some people didn't really want to be bothered with it. I said, wow. So I just don't understand the dynamics up here. That is interesting. Um, I mean, I've been to Cleveland numerous occasions, and uh, I've come up there for actually a a church event annually right there held at the Intercontinental, uh, right there at the Cleveland um, Hospital. Um, and okay. it's, 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 it's crazy to me that there hasn't been, like you said, an uprising, a, a rallying cry, a movement to say and to, to suggest that this not happen. And I, in fact, I, I cut my opening short because I wanted to get right okay. to you because I was mm-hmm. going to say in my opening how we have become so numb to the issues and actions that occur in our community that we just let them go. And and that's why yes. I really wanted to, to uh, title this, this uh, broadcast tonight, It's About Us, because there is always something at stake for us. And as I said in my opening, you have realized that personally. And to have uh, you not get the support just from the community members, just from church, the the community at large, and church to say, right, right, to say that they're willing to allow this man to get back on the force, and God Mm -hmm. forbid, but he does it again, then they're going to be looking for support and mm-hmm. and they want to get support from you as well as from everyone else because they'll be in the same position mm-hmm. you were. Exactly, and that's what I'm trying to get folks to really wake up and see that this could be you, you know what I'm saying? You need to get out and support this issue and, um, you know, stand in solidarity with me to, you know, not let this officer come back to our streets. Now, I am prepared if he if they do allow him to be an officer, I'm prepared to do a rally or protest or whatever it's going to take to let them know that this is unacceptable. You know what I'm saying? So I just want to see some change in Cleveland, and I, and I definitely want to see some change in the uh, police reform, you know. I'm going to be fighting that nails like nails and tooth until like the end of time because of my son, you know, my, I didn't, you know, my son right. didn't die in vain. So I want exactly. to make sure that anything that has to do with police reform, anything that has to do with accountability and transparency, I'm definitely going to be a part of it. I'm definitely so what has, the, it. what has been the move from the city council? Uh, have they done anything? Have they in, instituted or implemented any new ordinances uh, that would, um, protect uh, individuals like Tamir from a police officer rolling up because 
in Ohio, you yeah. have a right to yeah. carry a gun. So the mere yeah, fact that Tamir had a gun, yeah. right, just the fact that mm-hmm. Tamir had a gun should not have re- re- required mm-hmm. the response that he got. They could have pulled up, stopped him, hey, you know, son, kid, put the gun down, what have you. Exactly. He jumps out and shoots. So what has the city council done? So recently, um, so you know the consent decree has been back in the city of Cleveland probably for the fourth time, meaning right. that the Department of Justice comes in and clean up. And uh, Judge Oliver, which is the federal judge, he um, he um, did he reinstate he that mayor. because Attorney General no, no. took that. No, he didn't. No, he didn't reinstate it. What he did is we 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 got a commission together. So the commissioners was made up of a thirteen people, and out of three of the people was like police officers, a part of the commission, which is supposed to be for um, police reform. So Jeff Farmer was on the commission, and I asked him to resign because how are you going to be a part of police reform where you're steady trying to bring Timothy Loman? back to our streets. So I asked him to resign a couple of weeks ago after I um you know, after I dropped the petitions off and everything. And um I just think that it's just really biased that um this commission was uh, made up of these people, three of them being police officers, and where do the people have any say so in this? So I just right. find that very um unsettled with me. So like I said, Judge Oliver um, got with the mayor and said, you know, get a commission. The commission was formed of 13 people and uh, like I said, three of them was police officers. The other the other folks um, are probably good, prominent people in the city. I'm not aware of uh, a lot of everybody that's on the commission because again, I was just thrown into this. So I'm just trying to do what I can. You know what I'm saying? This wasn't my background. I was not political. I was just raising my kids trying to live a normal life until this came to my doorstep. And now I've been in the public eye ever since. So excuse me if I'm getting any of the terminology wrong, but I'm learning as as we speak now. So No, no, I understand perfectly. Yeah, the, the commission was formed and um, you know, with the commission, um, there hasn't really been a lot of support from the commission, the city council, or anything like that. The only thing that the city council did was implement—not even implement—they uh, they proposed that we have a community oversight after the consent decree is gone, and the consent decree leaves in 2020. So even after the consent decree is gone, we want a community oversight, um, which is part of the, which will be part of the commission. And we're hoping that we can have that community oversight so we can see what these police officers are doing in our city. You know, Cleveland has a history of bad policing. Let's just be honest here. They have a history right, of exactly. bad policing. And um, exactly. I'm just being aware of this, and it's just unacceptable. Too many things have happened under Frank Jackson's watch. That's the mayor and Chief Calvin Williams. Too many things, too many murders, and there's no accountability. So, you know, I just want the dynamics to change in the city of Cleveland, and that's what I plan on doing. I'm going to shake them up, you know, shake them up, whatever it takes. Well, I'm going to sit yeah. here and support you every bit of the way. Let me ask you this, because... I yeah. um I can only imagine the the weight that's been placed on you as a result of this and and what you're doing and I want to commend you for not giving up and doing what you're doing and yeah. although you've become a part of uh of a a distinct you know uh association um not one that you were ever uh, invited to be a part of or that you signed up to be a part of you've taken on the responsibility to make sure that change comes to your community and I'm sorry to hear and sad to hear that you haven't gotten mm-hmm. support. So or have you looked yeah. at and are people supporting or have they given you advice in terms of making sure that you can sort of target and pull out people that aren't supporting you, like the mayor when it comes up with election or the city council members, uh, target them and really start putting uh, uh, people and resources behind individuals who looking are looking to make change in the city of Cleveland 
so that those people, as we say, the good old boys, are just the old folks mm-hmm. that are just willing to stay mm-hmm. in their place and not do anything, black, white, or indifferent, that you can move them out yeah. of the way and try to do something mm-hmm. uh, politically and socially to try to get uh, mm-hmm. to get some action that way. I do have some plans coming up. I can't really talk too much about them, but I do have some plans coming up that I probably will do an, uh, another a uh, campaign uh, about anyone that um, that accepts endorsements from the CPPA, um, you know, is unacceptable. And we do not want your type of business running our community, running our city, and things like that. So I have a few things going on. I'm still working through the details. I keep you guys posted on that, but um, I'm I'm working on some big things. Absolutely. Um, um, definitely just want to hold uh, people accountable for the things that they're supposed to do, whether it's city council, uh, whether it's uh, the mayor, the chief of police. They have a job to do to protect the citizens, and that's what they should be focused on and making sure that they're not putting no more bad cops in our streets. That's what they should be making sure that they're focused on. And I'm going to make sure that I stay focused on keeping them accountable for what they supposed to be doing, which is their jobs. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm always absolutely. working. I'm always working. I have a I have a team that I work with, and then I have, like I said, I get a lot of support from outside of Ohio, which is great. Um, and I love. I just need these people in Ohio to wake up. You know, this is a a, a more. Um, they want to say it's more of a southern state. I don't think it's southern. And to the point where um, it's just it's just ran by a lot of cool cuts clan, and that's just I'm gonna just be honest with you, it say is. It, say um, it like it is. It's just ra- it's just very racist up here, and like I said, they didn't they didn't beat the people down so much and oppress them so much. They don't they think it's normal to be like this. It's nothing normal when your son is murdered on television like that. There's nothing murder about that, you know. It, it, I mean, sorry, there's nothing normal about that. Everybody see that my son was murdered in less than a second. I don't know how anybody could be sleeping. I'm, I'm just saying, I don't know how anybody could be sleeping. So I agree I with you 100. I need Ohio to wake up. Yeah. So, so let me call out a few people and let me ask you: Has John Barnes, Senator John Barnes, has he spoken up? Has he done anything uh, in that light, or, or have you been able to? I don't know if you've reached out to him or contacted him, but what has no, his position uh-uh. been? No, I don't oh. really know because I don't know. He hasn't reached okay. out to me. No, not okay. at all. Well, I will call him personally, and I will reach out to him and okay. ask him what's he doing. He actually represents Cleveland. and If he is still in the Senate, okay. which I think he is, I think he went back to the House. He may be in the House. I will reach out to him okay. personally. And then one of the pastors okay. there, um, Pastor Jay Delano Ellis, right there at uh, Pentecostal um, Church on, uh, what is it on? Is it, is it, um, oh, it's right next to the hospital. Um, I cannot think of the name of the street. I, I want to say uh, okay, Calhoun, but. Uh, no, uh, I'm, I'm not familiar with that pastor. Again, a lot of the pastors, I don't know who, who, who they all are, but most of them run up under Frank, you know, they're, they're under Frank Jackson, you know what I'm saying? So okay. if there's anything to fight against the city, I don't know if they're going to jump on board. I had one pastor tell me that he had to check with his lawyer in order to do a march with me. I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> he, had to, well, he had to check with his attorney if oh he wanted God. to do a march with me. I'm like, oh, my oh is that right? Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So do you so check with your attorney a, when you do your own marches? Yeah, yeah exactly. that's, just, that's so just crazy. I was just confused about that because I wanted to do a march back in uh, 2015. I wanted to do a big march, and I wanted to galvanize the folks in the city of Cleveland. Instead of having folks come out of town, you know, I wanted to make sure our city was on. And he told exactly. me that um, he, had to, he, he had to get permission from his attorney to do a march with me. So I, at that point... What am I, who am I supposed to reach out in the city of Cleveland? Who? I mean, these pastors yeah. up here, they're not right. You know, you got yeah. one of the biggest pastors up here, um, Vernon, and, um, you right. know, he he doesn't even really support. I mean, he did a little bit for me in the beginning, but I wasn't really looking for that. I'm looking for support in these streets 
against right. these officers, against the system, and it seems like you know nobody wants to lose their pension or whatever they're getting from the mayor or whatever. They don't want to lose it. You know, like I said, Cleveland Dynamics is set up very strangely compared to any other city that I ever seen besides Chicago. So, um, it's yeah, it sounds like um, they they have. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. It sounds like they have it where they they put a figurehead in place, but they're still pulling all the strings so that they're the puppet masters of keeping everybody in line, and they're not allowing anyone to really move out. Yeah, and they don't don't care for me. They know I speak up. Yeah, they know I speak up and I speak out. I'm not going for nothing that's not right, and I can't. You can't um, buy me. You know what I'm saying? You can't. what is that? I'm not selling out because you have a lot of sellout up here. You know what I'm saying? And that's just not cool when you when we're trying to improve the city and stuff like that. Especially so a city cool. like Cleveland that, like you said, is majority African American, and, and unfortunately, you you run the risk of not being able to secure secure your own future when you just allow yourself to to be run over and and sell out. And I'm going to make sure that I, I reach out to John and, and Bishop um, Ellis, and I'm going to provide you with their information and contact so that if anything, if they're not on board with you, then, you know, I'll, like I say, I'll just call them out as it is. If they are on board with you, then I can work with them and make sure that I bring them on the show, but I can also talk to them and help support. But uh, my family's from Cincinnati, so um, I'm, uh, I have Ohio roots, but whatever we can do on our end here uh, we're going to continue to do it. And again, I just want to con- continue to commend you to keep pushing and ask you also, as with uh, Michael Brown's mom and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Jordan Davis's mom, are you looking mm-hmm. to actually run for city council uh, yourself so that you can come in there and make moves and make the change that you need to make firsthand as a, as a member of, of the, of the body, as opposed to looking from the outside in? It, it's possible. Um, I was play, I was joking around, <laughs> talking to my team. I said, I'm going to run for city council so I can make sure some things get done, or I'm going to run for the mayor. One of the two. Cleveland needs a, a different twist, and we need a different turn up here. So I was joking around with some of my um, staff or whatever, but I don't know. I, I, I might. I'm not going to say yay or nay at this point. I'm, I'm thinking about it. You know, I don't really know. It comes with a lot. I'm, I'm truly, truly busy all the time, so I don't, I don't really know. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. It depends on. It could, you know, it, things can change in the future. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not for sure at this point. But you know, well, certainly when, we will if, be in if, support of mm-hmm. you, and we will be support yes. for you, and we will certainly reach okay. out to all of our connections in Cleveland, and uh, Columbus, and Cincinnati, Dayton, all across the state of Ohio to make sure that we can lend support mm-hmm. to you as well as Pennsylvania and get out there for you. So before I let you go, okay. because I, I, I know that um, you have a lot going on, what's at stake for us, uh, Ms. Rice? What's yes. at stake for us, and, and how do you see this going forward, especially leading into 2020 with the, the presidential elections and, and everything that happens there? Okay, so <laughs> I'm just going to say one thing. Trump is not my president. Um, not mine either. For those, and for those that think that they're going to vote him back in, they better think again. Remember, he shut the government down. So please do not vote this man back in. If he can shut the government down and he could put babies in cages and kids in cages, I don't think um, nobody wants him to be a president and you can be found guilty for doing this and doing that and all this. Like, I mean, this is the worst president ever that I've heard with all of these allegations, all of this stuff. Like, I, this is terrible. Like, I'm like, what world am I living in? Am I still here? So <laughs> I just don't want him to be the president. He was a game show host. He should go back to being a game show host. Presidential is not for him, so hopefully he won't become our president again. And what's at stake for us is our freedom, uh, our black and brown community uh, being at risk of police terror, uh, police brutality. Um, we definitely need a change across this country with reform 
reform when it comes to the police department and law enforcement, period. All of it needs to be reformed. I don't feel safe out here. Again, um, you know, I've been reading on OPADA certifications and stuff like that. We don't even know if some of these officers is legal to carry a badge and gun. So, um, and, and it's a scary thing. So what thing. kind of background you know, checks are they doing on these officers? Yeah, I don't really know. And like I said, remember, scratch your back, I scratch yours. A lot of them is doing, getting favors done and, you know, this and this and that. Like I said, I'm just learning, and I'm hearing bits and pieces, so I can only give y'all what I'm hearing, and I'm going to give y'all the truth. And um, like I said, it's, it's scary out here, you know, to get pulled over by an officer, and you don't even know if he's registered um, to carry a badge and gun because it's your certification. It's called C. It's called CTP training, um, continue, um, continuing training policing, something like that. Or is it CT, okay. continue police, no, it's CPT, continuing police, police training. training. So it's so, okay. It's so, yeah, co- continuing police training. Every city has an OPADA where they can see if these officers are registered, oh, uh, uh, registered, who, um, you know, even have a badge and gun while they steady pulling people over talking about they fear for their life. Maybe you don't have the right training. Maybe that's why you fear for your life because you don't know what to do. And what I'm also hearing, what's the say for us, Cleveland officers, from what I'm hearing, are begging for more training. So I'm not understanding why they don't have more training. Where the, Where's the money at for them to get the right training? So what's the say for us if they don't get the right training? Um, our black and brown community will be doomed, and our freedom will be doomed, as it been for over 500 years now. It 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 has been, and I know that uh, one of the cases that really sticks out to me there in in Cleveland is the case of um, uh, Williams and um, uh, I think it's uh, Michelle Williams and uh, Michael. Uh, oh, uh, Michelle Williams and Timothy. Russell, yes. Right, Timothy Russell. 137 shots. 137 shots. And they can't convict the guy. Right, right. Got on top of the hood, reloaded, shot him again, and then the judge says, well, we don't know which bullet killed him, if it was his or someone else's. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Judge O'Donnell. Judge O'Donnell. That was the judge. Judge Judge O'Donnell. O'Donnell. Exactly. I don't think he, I don't know if he's still a judge or not. But that was horrible. I mean, he you can see the racism there. That was horrible. Right. Yes, it was horrible, and as well as your as well as your case. And I'm yeah. I'm hoping and praying that uh, things will turn around. But I'm hoping that uh, Timothy Loman does not get rehired, and that certainly your efforts and your advocacy uh, will mm-hmm. not be in vain and will turn true. Um, any last yeah. words that you want to share with us to let us know how we can support you? Tell us what you're doing so we can support you. Uh, let our audience know what okay. to do, where to find you. Tell us what we need to do. Okay. I'm a, uh, so I am the CEO of the Tamir Rice Foundation, which supports the Afrocentral Cultural Center that I'm building in Cleveland for inner city youth to express themselves and do um, um art and music and drama and things like that. I can also uh, be reached um, on the website. You can look at the website at www.tamireerightfoundation.org. That's, again, that's www.tamireerightfoundation.org. And you can um, go on there and just read about us. Um, if you like to um, support, you can hit the donation button. And if you want to request me to come out, please send a request through the website. Um, we do answer back immediately. <laughs> okay. Okay. Immediately. Yes. Thank you. And I'm just, I'm just working. I'm always doing some. Tamir's birthday is actually June the 25th. He will be 17 years old. I will okay. be in Chicago uh, with the Astor Gate. Um, he is assembling the gazebo where Tamir was murdered. Um, under and it will be a symbol um um just like um you know since five years later sorry since five years later it's going to be the first time it's going to be a symbol on the art banks line in chicago the 23rd um i believe that's stony island area so okay 
that's what I'm that's what I'm gonna be doing. I'm always doing something. <laughs> yes. Well, that's good. Yeah. You keep him busy yeah. and you making a stand yes. and and making enough noise that people are gonna keep hearing you. But don't stop. Don't stop making the noise okay, and don't more, stop one talking. More, one more thing. One oh, absolutely. More thing. Just remember absolutely. this. Just remember this about Timothy Loman. The deputy supervisor said no time or reform that can help him. So when your supervisor from Independence said no time or reform can help him, that means he's a bad apple and he doesn't need to have a badge and a gun. That's what that means. He was he broke down on the. Uh, gun rage. He was crying about his girlfriend and many other horrible things I heard about him. So um, please um, probably continue to um, support. I think we still have um, change.org and move.org. I believe the petitions are still right. online. I have to check with my team. But you can yeah, also I, I saw that. I saw that online. Yeah, I yes, saw that online. Now you also gave okay. out uh, Jeff, Jeff Farmer's phone number. Uh, do you want to give that out again? I don't think I have it. Wait a minute. Um, uh, I don't think I have it on me. Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna pull it up uh, for you so we can we can try to put it out there, uh, and I, I will try to uh, put it out for you because I do remember that uh, you did. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. I, I'm pulling it up now on online. Yeah, it's on the Samir uh, Rice Foundation page on Instagram and Facebook. You can go look at it yep. there. We have an Instagram page um, on Facebook and Instagram, Samir Rice Foundation. His information is on those pages as well. But you can go yep, ahead it's and give it, 216, to the, give it to the, it's, Yep, it's 216-631-8455. That's 216 216- Eight three one eight four five five. That's Jeff Farmer. Yes. Jeff Farmer. He is the president of the police union there the in Cleveland, union, who yes. is actively trying to reinstate uh, Officer Timothy Lowman, who Lohman. was the yeah. Tell him to stop his efforts. To stop his efforts and helping him appeal the process. To stop his efforts. Yes. Thank Absolutely. You. Absolutely. We will do it. We will yeah. do it. And we'll be in touch. Thank you. Um, I'm going to be in touch with you. I'm going to send you those, those names and information. And certainly you have a platform here. Anytime you want to put something out or, or put something out, you can have Amanda call me or you can call me directly. Now that you have my phone number, you can call me directly Absolutely. and say, hey, Michael, can I put this out? Can I send this out? Can you tweet this out? Can you post this on your website? Whatever you need, okay. uh, I will be certainly here uh, to support you and, and, and uh, make sure that we do something for that. And uh, I would also encourage you to come out here during uh, in September, but we'll talk offline. Come out here in September okay. and do uh, the CBC where you can get people from across the country to help and rally and support your foundation. Even if you can't get the folks Absolutely. in Congress to do it, you can get the people that come out and, and participate to certainly be a part of that. And we'll look forward to, to uh, supporting oh, you with that, that as well. I would love that. Thank you so much, Michael. It's been a pleasure. It is my pleasure. I want to thank you for taking the time for joining us tonight, and certainly we will look forward to supporting you. I want to thank my guest tonight, uh, Miss uh, Samaria Rice, and she is um, Tamir Rice's mother. Please go to the website, www.tamirericeefoundation.org. Uh, lend your support to them. Uh, certainly follow her. Uh, if you have Twitter, Facebook, get on that. Follow her. Uh, support her. And let's make sure that we make sure that Timothy Lowman does not get rehired in the city of Cleveland. Thank you so much, Mr. Rice. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. If you're not facing your mortgage issues, This can be the most terrifying sound in the world. It means you've fallen behind. It means hope is dwindling. It means you're another call closer to losing your home to foreclosure. Fortunately, there's hope. If you need real help and guidance, call 1-888-995-HOPE. That's 1-888-995-4673. Because nothing is worse than doing nothing. 
A public service announcement brought to you by NeighborWorks, the Ad Council, and this station. Mom, thanks for taking me to work. Gee, there are lots of people here who don't look like you. Asian people, African Americans, Latinos, everybody's different. Yes, and those differences are good because they mean different ways of seeing, thinking, and doing things. So how come where we live, everyone looks just like us? Diversity shouldn't be left behind at work each day. In our neighborhoods, we can prepare our children for the global life that lies ahead. To better understand the benefits of diversity in your community, log on to www.aricherlife.org. Brought to you by the National Fair Housing Alliance. You're listening to Black Politics Today, an eye for what's at stake in global politics, and your source for the social, economic, and political impact on the African-American community. So join the conversation at 516-590-0143 and share your viewpoint at 516-590-0143. Now, back to your host, Kelly Michael Williams. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Kelly Michael Williams, and I just want to thank you for joining us again tonight and thank my guest, uh, Shamir Rice, for joining us tonight and sharing with us her story of the tragic death and murder of her son, Tamir Rice, that we all watched on uh, national TV as it happened and unfolded right before our eyes in less than two seconds how her son was killed. And I entitled, as I, I mentioned earlier, I entitled this the tonight's uh, broadcast, It's About Us, because I, I felt it was, it was really necessary for us to change the way we think about things and look at things in a, in a much starker and, 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 and I want to say darker, but brighter uh, light, if you will. Uh, it's about us is the name of, of, of my nonprofit foundation, and it's the essence of what I founded Black Politics Today for, um, because it's it's what I feel and feel like we've never had, um, uh, because we've never had what I believe BPT stands for, which is a platform that speaks to what's at stake for us as it relates to public policies, what's at stake for us as it relates to social, economic, and political impact on our community, and what's at stake for us for the next generation of Black men and boys, or Black boys and men. And ultimately, what's at stake uh, in this next presidential election, as I, as I asked uh, uh, Ms. Rice. Uh, and for Black folks, it, there's too damn much at stake for us. And unfortunately, as a community, we don't realize it and in some cases, we believe that we've, you know, that it is what it is. I mean, so often, especially when we're talking to our, our peers and uh, friends, family, loved ones, and what have you, we always say, well, it is what it is. But why is it what it is? Why are we willing to allow it to be what it is? Why haven't we done more about changing what it is? Because if there are shootings in your community. If there are shootings in my community and people are, are dying, I, I, I saw the, the, the um, clip of Taraji uh, P. Henson on Capitol Hill when uh, she testified about uh, suicide rates and she testified about uh, violence in the African-American community. And she said when she was a school teacher in Los Angeles and how the kids would come up to her and say, Ooh, look, Miss Henson, somebody got shot yesterday in our community. And they laughed about it. That's what I'm talking about where you've become so aesthetically numb to the idea of someone getting killed, that it no longer jars your spirit and your soul and your body where you would scream out and say, enough is enough. Stop it. Let's do something. Let's collectively join hands. And I don't mean just really joining hands, but I mean joining each other together where you march down to city council, where you march down to the state house, where you march down to you come here to D.C. to Congress, where you begin to start removing people who allow people to just terrorize your community, whether it be the chief of police, whether it be the mayor, whether it be the city council members, whatever it is. Uh, Miss Rice should not be fighting this battle to prevent the man who murdered her son.
by herself. I'm calling out clergy in Cleveland for sitting on your behinds, your spiritual behinds, and not supporting this woman to make sure that the white man that killed her black son because of all you black pastors in Cleveland won't rally with her. And you got to ask your attorney if you can march. But guaranteeing that if it was you or your son or daughter or someone in your congregation where you would march with them. I get that the chief of police is black. I get that. But unfortunately, if he's not doing the job, he needs to be removed. Just like the mayor needs to be removed. There should never have been an opportunity through arbitration or anything else. Letters should come from the mayor, the chief of police, the lieutenant, the city council as a whole saying, we do not accept him back on our police force, regardless of whether or not you want to let him come back or not. The pressure has to be put on him. John Barnes, I will be calling you. You need to make sure that you take a stand. Bishop Ellis, come on now. I know you personally. I know you too well. You, I know that you cannot be sitting on the sidelines for this. I know you're not. And I'm praying to God that you're not. And others there, I know that you guys have a responsibility to the community and your uh, uh, congregants, but I also know that just purely the right thing to do as God, as your Savior and witness, it's something that you need to speak up about and speak out about with all the gun violence that goes on in Cleveland, especially the the, uh, Russell and the Williams case, especially that case, let alone Tamir's case. Something needs to be done. You cannot continue to sit back and do nothing. It cannot be your point and your legacy to continue to do that and say, oh, well. It just cannot be that. You cannot do that. The hands of time are being turned back as the hands of time continue to move forward. But they're only being turned back for black and brown folks. They're only being turned back for people of less means because they don't have the ability to fight and to do what they do. I commend Miss Rice for what she's doing. I commend her for fighting and not giving up. I commend her for even putting up with the people who said, well, I can't sign that petition because I don't want my name on it to let them know that I have a problem with it. Or I don't want to sign it because I don't have a problem with it, which is even worse. In some regards, I might be able to respect you if you say, I don't want to put my name on it because I don't want to make any waves. I don't want to cause my business to do this or do that. If that is the case, however, there is something you can do. Donate your money. Donate your time. Maybe you don't sign the petition, but there's other things you do. But to do nothing or to not sign because you want the police officer back on the force is a travesty of justice. It says that Tamir's rights meant nothing. It says that it doesn't matter that a 12-year-old little black boy playing with a pellet gun that he was legally, lawfully able to do under the state law of Ohio could do when you have a ill-equipped, ill-emotionally adept police officer, a police officer that his previous superior said was a, uh, a detriment to society, a detriment to the police force, and as Ms. Rice said to us, said that no amount of training would correct the issues that this man has, and you still allow him to come on the force, chief of police, there's a problem. That's wrong. How many more black boys or girls does this man have to kill for you guys to decide that you're going to make a chance, uh, make a change and do something when he should have been prosecuted by the grand jury? But, of course, he was in fear for his life, as they always say. 
He was 12 years old, but he looked like he was 20 years old. He had a gun. I didn't know that it was a pellet gun, but you know that the law says that he can carry a gun. Just like my man John, uh, I can't think of his last name, in Walmart, walking around in the store with a shotgun, and a cop runs in there and opens fire on him. He's in the store purchasing the gun, and they kill him. It's got to stay. It's got to change. It's got to stop. And with Trump in the White House, it has become more and more evident, more and more emboldened for people to disregard, disrespect, and to deny and, and, and really uh, uh, just not care, and I really want to say something else, about people of color. There is a true fear among white folks that they are going to be the minority and they are going to lose complete control and power over everything that they've built to hold on to. And if we as black folks, especially in Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Florida, and, and uh, Illinois, Indiana, and Texas and other places continue to allow these legislators and these politicians that don't look like us, don't like us, don't do a darn thing for us, continue to put through and suppress and do things against us, we are going to suffer the consequences and the consequences are going to be dire, they're going to be long, and they're going to be long-suffering. And not the long-suffering that the Bible talks about, but long-suffering that Jim Crow used to put us through, and the Ku Klux Klan used to put us through, and segregation put us through, and the March on Selma put us through, and all the other things that we've had to do, crossing the Pettus Bridge and everything else. That's what's going to happen. And if you sit on your behinds and you keep thinking this crap about whoever you vote for, you have to like and you have to want and everything else, you need to be aware of the fact that nobody that voted for Trump liked Trump except for the fools that now don't know what the hell to do because of Trump. The Republican Party doesn't like Trump, let alone anybody else, but because they're getting from him what they want they're allowing him to stay there and do what he wants to do, which means that he's going to continue to do that if he gets reelected to a second term. So you've seen what he's done in this first term, and no one stopped him. Republicans didn't stand up. Democrats now are too afraid to do something because they're afraid that you simpletons out there who won't vote your conscious, your, your, um, you know, what is your best interest. And, and vote for things and I mean vote for people and, and uh, issues that are most detrimental to you and your family because you won't do that. They're afraid that if they try to impeach this fool, you guys are turning back and say, well, we don't want impeachment. But had that been Obama, what do you think the Republicans would have done? What do you think the Republicans would have done if Obama had did a tenth of what Trump is accused of. If Obama said, I'm not giving you any materials, any documents, and none of my people are coming to testify above uh, to Congress, do you think they would not have held him in contempt? Do you think uh, the attorney general in contempt or anybody else, do you think they would have not have started an impeachment inquiry? Do you think they would have not gone to court to file subpoenas and go to court to make him turn over documents and make people come and testify? Of course they would have. And if you don't believe me, just listen to Mitch McConnell, who fought tooth and nail to make sure that Obama did not get a Supreme Court justice appointment. And Democrats sat on their behinds and didn't do anything about it. And then Democrats during the election sat on their behind and turned the Senate over to the Republicans, as well as the House and the White House, because they didn't like Hillary Clinton. They wanted, they wanted Bernie Sanders, and so they didn't get Bernie Sanders, so they weren't going to vote for Hillary Clinton. Instead, they voted for the Bama that's in the White House now. And then they want to go out and march and fight and do everything that they can do about it 
which means really nothing because they haven't changed anything. They didn't change the two appointments on the Supreme Court. The only thing they got out of it was that he didn't completely dismantle uh, the ACA. But in a sense, he's really doing that now by defunding it. That's the only thing they got out of it. But the judges, the 107 judges that have now been appointed, that are now in the, in the, in the waiting in the wings for these court cases for the overturning of Roe v. Wade to get to their chambers, now they want to fight against it when they should have fought against it in the first place. And that's why I say this broadcast was the clarion call to black folks and black community and now black pastors and black chiefs of the police to do your duty, do what you were called to do. No, it's not just a black issue, but unfortunately we're the victims of the issue more often than white folks are. So yes, as a black chief of police, as a black pastor, as a black cop, you need to do things differently. The white cops do it. The white chiefs of police do it. The white mayors and politicians do it. When are you going to do it? That's my show tonight. If it's social, economic, or political, it's black politics today. It's about us, my people. It's about you, me, your sons, your daughters, your brothers, your sisters. It's about us. And if you don't know, if you don't recognize it, if you don't do something about it, when it comes to your doorstep, as Miss Rice said, she was watching what was going on about Michael Brown, about Eric Garms, and then her doorbell rang. And it was about her son. That's it. Thank you for listening to Black Politics Today on I for What's at Stake in Global Politics with your host, Kelly Michael Williams. Join us live each Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. Until next time, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and download us on iTunes at Black Politics Today.